Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 126 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio by my co-host, uh, the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great. Uh, this is this has been a big week, a busy week, yeah. uh, but a big yep. week, big week for the Canadians, a big week for our two fantasy teams as they yeah. face off in the um, All Habs um, uh, fantasy hockey, um, and um, yeah, I, I I started out with a decent lead, uh, falling back. Um, still some, uh, still some hockey to still, be played. Yeah. yeah. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit of a way to go yet. <laughs> it, it, uh, it wouldn't get concerned just yet, but Rick, w- yeah. Fan- fantasy hockey was at the forefront of, uh, the, uh, all Habs team this week. And, uh, in particular, it was pointed out by our friend and colleague, Mike Rashel, that I'm in a division right now. I'm in a, and I'm in a, I'm in a pretty weak division. Let's, let's be honest about it. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm in a pretty weak division. I'm taking advantage of that. That's why I occupy the third spot in the All Habs Fantasy Hockey League. Even though you're behind have, me in points. I'm behind you in points, yeah. but I have my division lead, which makes me the third-place team, which yeah, third maybe team. maybe I don't agree with, but I, hey, I'm not going to argue with it. And it was it was I was wondering, because myself and Amy Johnson, we talk a lot about this rivalry that we have, and I think the last two years, we've been in the same division. We've been division rivals, and it got me thinking... Was this all pre-planned? Was this all predetermined that we would be in the same division? Because, and at this point, I don't think that I would even, I would argue against me being, not being in the same division as Amy Johnson. And it reminded me, if you remember in 2011, the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Philadelphia Flyers, they got in, they got, they, they teamed up and joined forces because they didn't want to be, they didn't want the divisions to be realigned in such a way that they would not be in the same division. And I think that's what would happen if me and Amy Johnson weren't in the same division, and of course, for the sake of this analogy, I'm the Pittsburgh Penguins because, you know, I, I've won something in the last five years. Um, but <laughs> Boy, she's listening. And she uh, is yeah. listening. Yeah, that was completely off the cuff. That was not a pre-planned jab that I, uh, that was completely off the cuff. Uh, but Rick, that was what I was wondering this week. And uh, I, I think that uh, it's fair to say that Myself and Amy Johnson would join forces because this rivalry has become a, a very fun aspect of fantasy hockey. And we will revisit that matchup, as you pointed out. We are facing off this week 
It is the uh, Battle of the Canadians Connection co-hosts this week, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll get into the score and some of the other details surrounding that matchup. But Rick, from Fantasy Hockey, our All Habs Fantasy Hockey League, we move to Fantasy Sports because our listeners over the last few weeks have heard us talk about DraftKings, which is, by the way, the leader in daily fantasy sports and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week, jam-packed action ranging from basketball to golf. And DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front row seat to all of the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. You just draft your lineup and you feel the sweat like never before because every single moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. You want to get your share because DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And of course, and, that THPN yeah. uh, promo code uh, apply is is uh, uh, means the Hockey Podcast Network, and uh, yeah. we've got an interesting uh, set of guests coming up in our second uh, segment from the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, and uh, expect a really good discussion there. Yeah, looking forward to it. And uh, Rick, yeah, as you said, the Hockey Podcast Network, proud affiliate of uh, the Hockey Podcast Network, and we look forward to that. But Rick. It was a busy week in fantasy hockey and our all-haves fantasy hockey league, but it was an equally busy week for the Montreal Canadiens. Once again, uh, there was a lot. There were a lot of similar storylines that emerged this week, uh, including the firing of a coach. This time, goaltending coach Stefan Waite. We're going to be getting to that and much more. Of course, in, in the second segment, as you noted, we're going to have that interview. We're going to speak a little bit on Alex Burrows because we we touched on Dominic Ducharme last week. This week, we'll shine a bit of a light on Alex Burrows because he's got a very interesting journey in terms of being a player, then becoming the assistant coach of the Laval Rocket, and now an assistant coach with the Montreal Canadiens. We're going to be diving in into that uh, in the second segment, as well as that interview that you uh, you noted. But Rick, we'll start with the Montreal Canadiens' slate of action this past week. And it began last weekend, uh, a game against the Winnipeg Jets, another game against the Winnipeg Jets, <laughs> and the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, they lost that one 2-1 to in overtime. Nick Suzuki picked up the lone goal for the Canadiens, uh, but they lose that one 2-1. to uh, They bounce back uh, a little bit. They pick up the first win in the Dominic Ducharme era uh, with a 3-1 victory over the Ottawa Senators, uh, as we talked about last week, handling their business against a team that they should be able to beat. And they did so uh, on March the 2nd. And then uh, they lose March the 4th, 4-3 to against Winnipeg, once again, in overtime. And uh, that is where the Montreal Canadiens currently stand. That's the week that was for the Montreal Canadiens. And, of course, the same Winnipeg Jets again tonight. <laughs> 
Well, that's how it goes, and uh, yeah. let's hope we don't go to extra time uh, tonight yeah. where the, the Canadians have not been very successful this season. Yeah, that has not been a uh, place that has benefited a lot for the Montreal Canadiens. They've struggled in extra time. They're going to want to keep it to regulation if they can. Uh, that might give them the best shot, given their current record uh, in extra time. But, but Rick, uh, coming out of last week, there, there wasn't a lot of, of great storylines. You know, there was a little bit of, of, of negativity that was in the air because, obviously, a team that fires their head coach, it's not a whole lot of good feelings surrounding that team. So last week I had a bit of a job to find three guys yeah. to talk about in my weekly column, uh, you know, the three stars column that I've been doing every week over at allhabs.net. And by the way, any of the games that we just talked about, if you want in-depth post-game reviews for those games, you head over to allhabs.net and Rick Stevens has crafted those post-game reviews for you. Uh, but I had a bit of a task in, in finding three guys to talk about uh, and I ended up going with Yoel Armia as the first star of the week last week because he was he was just tremendous. And there was a lot that was made of him beginning the overtime with Phil Deneau, uh, and and there was much that was made of that and and that he shouldn't have been out there and, and all of that. But I think that just that's just erasure of of the fact that he was one of the best Canadians players the past week. I mean, his possession has been great. He's been all over the puck. He's been hounding the puck carriers when he doesn't have it. He's just been doing everything that you come to expect from Yoel Armia. And when you talk about, and we heard this from Mark Bergevin, right? When when you talk about guys, that there's pressure that exists for guys in contract years. And that people have been using that as an excuse for why Philip Deneau has not been performing up to the level that he should be. Yoel Armia has given it to you, right? Like he's <laughs> been, he's been fantastic. And then uh, in addition to Armia, I had Alexander Romanov. And, uh, and Tyler Toffoli in there, but but Armia has just been fantastic. He has, and uh, you listen. It's a it's a great column. Every comes out every Sunday on allhabs.net. Uh, Joe Whalen's uh, three stars of the week, and you've been worried in the past that that uh, you've cursed uh, the winner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this this week um, we see a bit of a promotion for uh, you, yeah. Armia, and we'll talk about that in uh, just a second. Yeah, I mean, it's it's everything is coming up Millhouse uh, for Yoel Armia at this point. But uh, we'll, we'll move on because we do have some roster news to get to. And it's something that this will begin with something you touched on in the latest episode of the Press Zone. Uh, Gianni Fairbrother has been signed to a three year entry level contract. And as I said, you and you and Amy Johnson covered that on the Press Zone. So you want to check out the latest episode of the Press Zone podcast. Uh, but some news there for the Montreal Canadiens signing a prospect defenseman. Uh, and yeah, one of many on, the, on that left side that they have coming down the pipeline. Uh, but Rick, we will move on because there's some uh, there's a concerning thread here for the Montreal Canadiens. And, and you've had this in the back of your mind, I think, for a little bit this season because there's been some games, remember back against Calgary, he was pulled out of a game. Josh Anderson, that being, of course, uh, we've we've had that in the back of our mind coming off of, of course, his injury-riddled season last year that you hope that he can just stay healthy, and uh, he's missed three games due to uh, due to a lower body injury. That's right, and and uh, there has been some concern about what happens when he's out of the lineup, and we saw that the Canadians, um, uh, particularly against the Jets, were a much more uh, perimeter team. And, uh, and, and they really missed his drive to, to, to the net. Um, now he's slated to return to the lineup 
tonight, uh, Saturday night, um, and uh, wondering if he's uh, completely, if he's 100%, because he, he finds himself on a new line. This is a line I like. Uh, Kotkaniemi yeah. uh, in the center with uh, flanked by Toffoli and Anderson, the two newcomers. Uh, that could be a very good line, and particularly as well as as Kotkaniemi has has been playing. That bumps Armia, as I said. He got a bit of a promotion from the Kotkaniemi line to uh, the Nick Suzuki line uh, to create some space for uh, Suzuki and Druan. Um, and so, it although uh, Dom Ducharme, uh, these were the lines in the game day skate, um, and he advised that uh, it'll be a game time time decision uh and either before the game or during the game there might be some adjustments on that right side uh those uh uh, right side players uh with armia moving up and down anderson moving up uh, up uh in this case uh we'll we'll see what happens yeah um but uh, hey dominic ducharme and i touched on this in my column talked about yoel armia as being a guy that might have untapped potential and Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to be seeing if if uh, this type of promotion, if he can provide a little bit more depth by moving up in the lineup and maybe Josh Anderson uh, back down to create more of a, a depth sort of effect with this team. Um, but, Rick, we unfortunately have uh, some sad news that came out this week. Uh, Walter Gretzky uh, passed away on Thursday at the age of 82 and tributes poured in for Canada's hockey dad. He was the ultimate uh, hockey dad. And... Um uh, just just a, a, a lovable guy. Um, everyone who's met him um, has been um, charmed and enchanted by him, just delightful, always in, in good spirits. Um, and uh, the, the news came out late Thursday, and it was uh, uh, Wayne Gretzky and his family that, that released, uh, and I'll, I'll just read the following. Uh, it's with deep sadness that Janet and I share the news of the passing of my dad. He bravely battled Parkinson's and other health issues these last few years, but he never let it get him down. For my sister and my three brothers, dad was our team captain. He guided, protected, and led our family every day, every step of the way. For me, he was the reason I fell in love with the game of hockey. He inspired me to be the best uh, I could be, not just in the game of hockey, but in life. We will miss him so much, but know that he's back with our mom and brings me and my family peace. He was truly the great one and proudest Canadian we know. Um, a funeral this, this Saturday afternoon, this afternoon, uh, for uh, Walter Gretzky, and, um, and he uh, will be missed by the family and all of the hockey community. Absolutely, and we just want to send our, our condolences to the loved ones of, uh, of Walter Gretzky and uh, hope that they, they are able to, to get through this the best that they can. But, uh, Rick, we, we will move on, and, and much like last week, uh, for the rest of this show, uh, we will incorporate uh, our favorite segment on this podcast, They Said What? And uh, we will begin with the discussion about the Montreal Canadiens' offense because it, it's it's still been at the forefront of these discussions. Even under Dominic Ducharme, things have looked different. Things, in some respects, maybe a bit better but there's still a little bit of a struggle. It's it's they're fighting uphill battle a little bit to get the puck in the back of the net, and yeah, it's it's not been easy for the Montreal Canadiens uh, to, to generate offense. 
Yeah, we've been uh, talking a lot about uh, getting on the inside of teams, um, being in that danger area uh, in the slot. As a line, talked about we were playing a bit too much on the perimeter, uh, trying to get guys uh, to net to the net and in the slot. And uh, I think all of us are skilled enough to make those plays in tight areas uh, through guys uh, into prime scoring opportunities. So um, we've been really working on that in practice, and uh, I think it's translated well into the games. So we know that that uh, during the, the Julian uh, era that um, uh, they generated lots of shots. Uh, of course, he was high, uh, lots of possession, uh, but poor quality shots. And yeah. it seems that that has not changed. Uh, that was Nick Suzuki talking about the fact that uh, uh, the, 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 the team, the forwards uh, overall, uh, haven't been going to the, the dirty areas, and his line in particular – um, ha- with uh, um, uh, Druan, um, and at times Toffoli, and and uh, and without Anderson, hasn't been uh, uh, getting the inside position. Uh, we saw that. Um, you know, I circulated the uh, the shot map, the heat map, uh, after the game uh, against Winnipeg on Thursday, and 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 it was uh, the Winnipeg goal was was pretty clear. All the shots coming from yeah. from the perimeter, and that was a problem during Julien. Uh, still a problem uh, right now as Dom Descharmes works through. Uh, we've heard him uh, talk about trying to. Um, uh, boost the number of options that that shooters have, uh, and and uh, bring the the uh, the gap closer so that the players are closer, so that there's puck support, so that they have more options uh, and get better quality shots. It's not happening as of as of yet, um, and you know that was always the concern because we talked about it in January. Uh, the defensive play certainly wasn't there. It 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 deteriorated in in uh, February, and then the offense started to drop. The Canadians were yeah. uh, producing goals all over the place in January. The the um, uh, offense dried up. The last twelve games, uh, they've been averaging two goals a game, and um, and without that offense, uh, the the defensive problems have been exposed. And uh, the Canadians had a rough month of Jan- of February. Yeah, and, and it was clear, I mean, the defensive, for other teams, I think they became aware of what the Montreal Canadiens were doing, and that was just about leading the league in odd man rushes, getting out in transition mm-hmm. and scoring that way. Now that that is dried up, they're not getting those opportunities. Teams a little bit more keyed in on their defensive zone structure and, and, and how they're going to play. The game slowed down. And the Canadians haven't been able to generate that type of offense. And as you said, the heat maps show that. They are not getting in those high danger, that home plate area. They're not getting opportunities from there, or at least not enough. And yeah, maybe the the lack of Josh Anderson, especially on that Suzuki line, because we saw that Josh Anderson, uh, when he wants to, he can just get there on his own. He can use his speed and get there, drive the net on his own. So maybe the, the addition of Armia to that line, who's been a great possession player for the Canadians, maybe that will open up some opportunities for Nick Suzuki and Jonathan Drouin. But in addition to that, so the Montreal Canadiens right now, we know that they are a team that they can they can sort of they can hang around a little bit. And, and you know, it, it hasn't been pretty, but they can hang around in regulation time. It's been a real concern that when it flips to three-on-three overtime, because you're going to want at some point to not just get the one point. 
You know, the one point is fine. You take the point when you get it. You're going to want those two points, right? You're going to want that extra point. And that could make a big difference in when it all when all is said and done in the standings. And they've just not been able in three-on-three overtime or the shootout to to win those games. And we saw in, in that overtime against the Jets, they had some they had some decent opportunities. I think uh, Paul Byron had one, and and Connor Hellebuck made a really nice save. And and uh, but but they've been giving up a lot more of those opportunities. And Jake Allen was called on to make some big saves in that overtime. They've, they've not been playing a very good structured game in three-on-three overtime. And I, I think, you know, that's that's a time where you see the best players make the best plays. And the Montreal Canadiens, I don't know if they have that type of talent to break through. Well, certainly against the Jets, the the the, the comparison, the contrast is, is pretty obvious. <laughs> uh, that, um, you know, even the games where the, the, the Canadians outshot uh, the Jets, that would be a week ago. Um, and, and Paul Maurice said, uh, these guys are confident that when yeah. they need a goal, they can go get a goal. Um, that that uh, it's, it's a different philosophy. Mark Bergevin doesn't have that bona fide number one elite center. He doesn't have that that uh, number one uh, left uh, left defenseman, uh, puck moving defenseman, uh, he's chosen to build his team through balance, um, and in doing that balance and rolling all four lines as Julian was doing, um, you don't have the go to guys, you don't have the guys who can finish uh, the play, um, and 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 that's been that's that's come out in in. Um, in overtime, and you see the Jets both times putting three forwards, three skilled yeah. uh, players out there uh, from their their top six who can who can score goals, who can finish. And uh, and Jeff Petrie uh, talked about now this was this quote is after um, the uh, the first overtime game against the Jets, and he explained uh, that they've been working hard on trying to. Uh, uh, set their their uh, overtime philosophy and structure. Well, I think it's about uh, identifying a man, and you know we, we worked on it a couple times, and we we've, we've talked about it. It's, uh, identifying a man, and you know it's it's essentially a one on one. You're it's, it's man on man. So once you identify your man, you gotta you gotta stay with him and and take him all the way to the net, or or you know follow him wherever he goes. And I think. Uh, you know, I think that's that's where we've gotten in trouble in three on three is when you know we lose a guy and you know it's a it's a rebound or a two on one. So that was after the first game, and you can hear that they've been uh, they've been instructed, and and Jeff Petrie is internalizing uh, that uh, that lesson that he's received from the coaching staff about how to play in in overtime. Now this is different from from skilled players who can. Uh, can ad lib can can finish can yeah um and uh jeff petrie talked about sticking to uh, you know playing man to man sticking like glue focusing on their man following them wherever they go and then when they did that uh jeff petrie and joel armia collided uh, yeah. In the second overtime game, they were so focused, so stuck on their man, they didn't notice their own guy. Uh, that collision resulted in the Pierre-Luc Dubois goal, uh, another skilled finisher uh, for the Jets' victory. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting 
sequence of events that happened that transpired that led to that Dubois goal. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's a guy, it's a guy that can beat a goaltender clean with a shot, right? And the Montreal Canadiens, when you get to three on three overtime, when it comes down to individual skill, sometimes. And being able to beat a goalie clean, being able to beat a defenseman wide, whatever it might be, the Montreal Canadiens just don't really have that at the moment, at least not the confidence to do that. Um, well, let me let yeah. me emphasize the point you made just a minute ago. Paul Byron had their best chance in yep. overtime. Paul Byron <laughs> yep. had their best chance in overtime, a fourth-line player. Um, not necessarily, um, you know, uh, has the ability like uh, a Pierre-Luc Dubois to, to finish. No. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, I think that, that's reflective of, of the issue is that you have Paul Byron out there because he's a guy that can, that, that has the speed that you could exploit somebody three on three. But is that a guy that you really want to have out there three on three overtime? Probably not. But Rick, in the middle of all that, so we've been talking primarily about the two Jets results to this point. The win over the Ottawa Senators was a little bit of a, of a beacon of, of hope a little bit for the Montreal Canadiens. And in the midst of all of the uncertainty after firing your head coach. So we thought, okay, here's going to be a very relaxing night for the Montreal Canadiens. They're going to take this win, try to build off of it in a couple of nights, and we'll see what happens. That did not happen. <laughs> that did not happen because Mark Bergevin, after firing his head coach and associate assistant coach, uh, Kirk Muller, he fires Stefan Waite this week, the goaltending coach. And boy, oh boy, uh, it was unexpected. And I didn't, I think, I, I don't know if I was even awake when it first happened. I think I went to sleep. I didn't think that anything was going to happen. And I thought this was going to be an uneventful night for the Montreal Canadiens. They get their win. And, and Dominic Ducharme is going to be the story of the day. No. <laughs> it was Stefan Waite being fired and Sean Burke being anointed as the replacement. It was bizarre. Um, yeah. It, it was absolutely bizarre because it was a win. Um, mm -hmm. It was Carey Price and Stefan Waite who had worked together for four days, uh, had shown great results, uh, Dom Descharmes made the, the decision, presumably with the advice of, of Stefan Waite, to play, uh, to start Carey Price. Carey Price was was great uh, in that game against Ottawa. Stefan Waite said afterwards, um, wouldn't have mattered if, if uh, Ottawa had 75 shots in that game. Price would have stopped them. He was on. Um, yeah. It was, uh, it was a, a solid 3-1 victory. And... Um, what we'd learn later on is that uh, at the second period of in intermission that Mark Bergevin got up from his uh, suite in the Bell Centre, walked down to uh, the, the suite where Stefan Waite watches the games from uh, and is in communication with the bench um, and said, you're done, pack your things and get out. Um, and... Uh, that just just very odd, really, really yeah. odd, and and certainly, afterwards, uh, the social media blew up. And media kind of fueled that. They were throwing out things. Well, maybe uh, maybe Price and and Stefan Wade had a fight. Maybe they maybe 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 maybe, um, and of course, none of that turned out to be true. It was just uh, Mark Bergevin had a gut feeling and decided, and and whether there was some remorse that he hadn't done it a week before when he had uh, fired yeah. uh, Julian and Muller, which could be the case, um, he acted 
um, I was going to say after the the, the, uh, the game, he acted in the middle of that yeah. uh, Canadian's victory, um, uh, which uh, struck many people as odd. Yeah, and so they've they've hired they announced the hiring of Sean Burke. He will not be with the team. He's going to be quarantining and all that, of course, and that'll lead up to March nineteenth when he will be able to start his duties as uh, the goaltending coach. In the meantime, Marco Marciano was recalled from Laval, and he's going to be working with the goaltenders while Burke completes his quarantine. Uh, we should note that. Uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, we said it was a bizarre, a bizarre sequence leading up to that Winnipeg Jets overtime winner. An even more bizarre sequence of events that happened in that in the middle of that Ottawa Senators game, not even after it. And it was a win. Yeah, as you said, it was a win. So it was a bizarre situation on all angles. And it became a story that perhaps was a little bit overblown. And I think that sometimes the, the thing that makes Montreal such a special sports market is the excitement that exists around the Montreal Canadiens when things are going well. But that also that has a double edged sword type of thing, because there isn't another there isn't another major sports league. There isn't, you know, an MLB franchise anymore or an NBA or, of course, not an NFL franchise. There's a CFL and there's the the, the impact. But there isn't anything that sort of rivals the the uh, the emotion that exists behind the Montreal Canadiens. And sometimes I think that narrows the viewpoint of the media and of the fan base because they don't have a wider context to draw from as to what is normal in professional sports. And even though it came in the midst of a, 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 a second period of a win that the Montreal Canadiens had, what you saw happen here with Stefan Waite is not a rare occurrence. It isn't something that doesn't happen in professional sports. It does. And and it was talked about, and we'll get to the clip with Bergevin using a golf instructor analogy. And I used one earlier in the week about a pitcher. If you go out and sign a pitcher to a mammoth contract and you have an ace of the staff, it doesn't matter if the guys behind him are playing or are, are pitching well. The ace of the staff is the guy that you you hitched your wagon to. And you need him to be the guy that produces. So if the ace of the staff isn't pitching as well as you'd like or the numbers don't reflect that he is pitching as well as you'd like, you might fire the pitching coach and tinker with mechanics, get a different voice in there, and see what happens. Of course, with Carey Price, is a different situation because we've talked about the defensive zone structure as being the primary issue in what's gone on in Montreal. But this was just a situation where so much was made of a story that Really, I don't think it needed to generate all the buzz that it did. That's true, and and um, uh, the difficulty is that um, much of, and we've we've talked about it before, the really odd situation where the uh, the Canadians are are shy of elite stars. They have one um, who man's goal and uh, has carried this team. Uh, no pun intended, when when needed. And any success that they've had over the last few years has been due to Gary Price. And um, for a number of reasons, uh, there is uh, a, a hostile media, uh, very hostile towards him. Um, you know, they don't like the music he, he listens to. They don't like his lifestyle. They, <laughs> they don't like uh, that he's... Um, uh, he knows they hate him, so he's... he's uh, uh, he's polite, but he's curt with them, um, and uh, they feel that they can, you know, criticize him, and 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 he has to play nice. Um, and uh, it's it's odd uh, for such a hostile media uh, to, uh, to to go after the star 
Um, I, I can't think of, I mean, uh, not everybody liked Koivu, but um, uh, they weren't as vicious as they are with, uh, with Carey Price. And, and so it was, it was uh, Mark Bergevin who met with the media um, to announce his decision. Carey followed after. Uh, but it was is it was Mark Bergevin that that met a uh, a media that was not necessarily hostile towards him, uh, but really hostile towards Kerry, and uh, and and expressed that to uh, Mark Bergevin. And we talked about the week before. Uh, we've never seen a Mark Bergevin, or at least I've never seen Mark Bergevin as frazzled as he was when he announced the Julian um, uh, uh, firing, uh, Julian and Mueller. Uh, this time, I've never seen a media that uh, that acted the way they are. They're agenda-driven, they're clickbait-driven, uh, and the Montreal media was vicious uh, towards Carey Price uh, uh, in that in that media conference. Uh, some of the questions questions were just dumb uh, and don't understand how uh, the the re- don't understand the relationship between a goaltender and uh, his goaltender coach. Uh, some were vicious and some were dumb and vicious. Um, it was, it was, you know, we're part, well, we're not part of the mainstream media and this is a reason we're not, uh, we, we've remained independent for a reason. We'd be, we're honest, uh, we're objective. Um, listen, I, you know, it's not about, uh, our favorite players, and uh, there's no question that you love Saku Koivu and, and you loved Bobby Farnham. And, yeah. uh, but um, w- this isn't about promoting players. It's about being objective. Um, and, and the reason that, that, uh, that we might sound a little bit different is that we don't have that agenda. Um, and, and we don't come at it with a particular agenda. We're just trying to figure things out. And present yeah. the best information we can uh, to to our readers and listeners. And the one thing that I would say, and we talked about this before the show, is that we can come from this, and we, you know, that we're coming from this objectively because when Dominic Ducharme was high, was promoted to the head coaching position, there was a lot of conversation about Jonathan Drouin, and maybe this is going to unlock a new level in Jonathan Drouin's game. And listen, he was great. I thought mm-hmm. he was great against the Winnipeg Jets. Took an offensive zone penalty, but he made up for it with an assist and the, yep. the deflection goal. He had a really good game, and overall, I think the effort level has been more consistent, and I've been hesitant to say something like that because I got bit last year when early on in the season I said, this is Jonathan Drouin. He's finally showing you who he is, that he can find this consistent game. So I've been reluctant to say that, but there is an energy to say that that, that Jonathan Drouin is doing that, and I appreciate that and understand that, but there needs to be a similar level of energy with Carey Price right now. Because maybe a different voice, maybe a guy that comes in with an outside perspective changes things for Carey Price at this current moment in time. And, and that's how you know that we don't have an agenda here because we can see it. We can say things objectively, right? Like that's Absolutely. the thing is you say that you say things objectively. You have that viewpoint. And it isn't just about, as you said, picking out. And we've been harsh on Jonathan Drouin because there hasn't been that consistent effort. There has been, there has been for the last little while, and we like to see that. But Rick, we'll get right into this Mark Bergevin because uh, this this presser for Mark Bergevin, because as you said, the presser announcing the Claude Julian firing was different than he had really ever been, 
And uh, this was a bit of a continuation of that. So we begin with with wondering, as you pointed out, was there an incident that led to this firing? Just to be clear, nothing happened. There was no fight argument, none of that. I mean, it was no, there was none of that. I think they had a good relationship. It's just like I said, I, I, I make decisions for the organization, for the team, for the players, and that's my job. And I take full responsibility to making that change uh, today. And he went on to say that Carey Price wasn't involved in the decision. Carey Price didn't know about the decision. Uh, and Carey Price was after the, the Ottawa game, and, and we said uh, uh, Waite was fired uh, in the second intermission. Uh, Price was involved in the media availability, and he didn't know when he went out to meet with the media that uh, Waite had been fired. Carey Price said later uh, that he looked for, for Stefan Waite, um, uh, and, and actually Waite confirmed this, that, that Carey Price was looking for him. Um, and uh, couldn't find him um, yeah. and uh, wondered if he had taken ill or, or uh, what had happened. And then he, he was uh, ushered in to uh, do the press conference. He did it, unaware at all uh, that, that uh, uh, Waite was fired, didn't have anything to do with that, didn't have any input into it, uh, and then only found out later uh, after his press conference, about uh, 10 minutes after, uh, when Mark Bergevin informed the team that Stefan Waite had been uh, fired. And uh, then on his way home, that Carey Price uh, reached out, called uh, Stefan Waite, who was at home in Montreal at that point, uh, and they had a, a, a conversation. Yes, there was a good relationship between Stefan Waite, a special relationship, a special bond, Carey Price called it, between uh, the two of them. Um, there wasn't an incident. It wasn't um, there. There wasn't an incident between uh, Stefan Waite and Dom Ducharme. There wasn't an incident between Waite and Bergevin. Uh, there was this. This was something that um, uh, Mark Bergevin was mulling around in his mind, and and maybe listen, maybe he regretted uh, not firing um, Stefan Waite when he did Julian yeah. and and uh, 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 Muller. I think maybe there was a bit of calculation that he was leaning that way and that if he had have fired all three at the same time, it would have looked a little more desperate and, and maybe that the throwing in the towel kind of thing. Uh, so he staged it. I don't know if there was if it was that calculated in his mind or he just wasn't as sure uh, when he fired Julian that uh, he wanted to go this road with uh, Wait, but after the win, after or well, yeah. during during the win, during a win, uh, yeah. he made up his mind and uh, and did the <laughs> deed. Yeah, and he talked about that as being an an instinctual decision that he came to a sort of a gut feeling that he had. It was a gut feeling I had, and sometimes you have to trust your instinct. Uh, as a you know, you run a business, whatever you do, and you have some instinct, you trust that you know you have to go by what you believe. And I felt that uh, my instincts told me that. A change was needed. So, uh, gut instincts um, they can be they they can be dead on sometimes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but if you're feeling like uh, you know a a, a, a cornered uh, uh, animal here, um, maybe maybe it's not leading him the right way. And we heard that um, you know Mark Bergevin was was uh, we we after the the Julian uh, press conference we said here we talked about it. This is Mark Bergevin, 
who's feeling uh, pressure for his own job, feeling pressure for uh, Jeff Molson having spent over $100 million in the offseason to bring in new talent, uh, to radically raise, uh, dramatically raise expectations, and then not getting the results. And so that Mark Bergevin felt under the gun uh, and uh, worried about his own job, so he reacted firing uh, Julian and uh, Muller. Now, at that time, we were just kind of putting the pieces together and speculating, uh, but Stefan Waite confirmed that that's what Mark Bergevin said to him. Uh, Listen, if I don't fire you, if I didn't fire uh, Julian, if I didn't fire Muller, uh, I was going to be the focus, and if we don't make the playoffs, I'm gone. So um, this is this is Mark Ber- Bergevin feeling some pressure, whether it's fan pressure, media pressure, or pressure uh, from Jeff Molson. Yeah, and yeah, it, it's bizarre because we talk about it sometimes too, and we've we've talked about it in past years where they haven't put that level of investment into this team, and there hasn't been that sort of optimism and hope that surrounds them about making the playoffs. And now that that's been put down on the table you have to think that there is that internal pressure. There's obviously external pressure. We know that that exists, but the internal pressure I would imagine would have to be there at this point because things have not gone as you would like them to. But, but as we said, so you hire Sean Burke and of course, given COVID the entire, all all the sort of protocols that you need to follow, he's not going to be available right away. You have to wait a little bit for that. So who is going to be the guy that gets you to that point? It's Marco Marciano, who was the goaltending coach for the Laval Rocket, is going to be uh, with the Montreal Canadiens until Burke fulfills that quarantine. They'll be in contact probably daily. Uh, they're having calls today already. Marco has worked with Sean before. Just so you know, Burke has been involved in Laval in the past few years, making trips with our goalies in Laval. He's worked with Marco before, so I don't see any issues. Obviously, the 14 days, those that's the protocol that we have to uh, to abide by, but uh, you know, I don't see being a problem. So, if you, if you don't know Marco Marciano, um, he's been around longer than most. Um, he was uh, the he, he has two hats. He's the goaltending coach. He's also the video uh, coach uh, for the Laval uh, Rocket. He was that same person for the St. John's Ice Caps. He yep. survived the purge when. Um, uh, St- uh, um, uh, Lefebvre was was let go, and and Joel Bouchard was brought in, and that was uh, because uh, Bouchard and um, and Marco Marciano had a pre-existing relationship, also uh, with Dom Ducharme at the Montreal Juniors. The three of them had worked together. Um, uh, Marco is uh, an unbelievable love. Marco, um, he is he is uh, positive he is uh he does a great job uh kind of under the radar uh with the the Laval Rocket uh goaltenders um and um and 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 he and Sean Burke as as uh, Bergevin said have worked together before uh so uh Marco's the on-ice guy now for uh, the Montreal Canadiens uh and he's in consultation with Sean Burke who's uh, undergoing the uh, quarantine and, and they're working together to implement the plans uh, and, and carry out, uh, I think essentially uh, continuing on what Stefan Waite uh, had, uh, uh, had prescribed, uh, simplifying the game of, of Carey Price. Yeah, and it's going to be obviously a little bit of time. You said March 19th will be when Sean Burke 
uh, joins the team. So, yeah, Marciano has a very important role to fill uh, in this time frame. Uh, but, Rick, as, as we touched on, Mark Bergevin, there is a pressure that exists externally, outside the organization, fans, media. They have the expectation that this should be a playoff team. Internally, you would have to imagine, given the level of investment, that there is an expectation that this should be a playoff team. Mark Bergevin talked about the expectations to make the playoffs. Yeah, it's fair to say that I have high expectation. You know, I mean, like I said from day one, you know, I expect this team to make the playoff. And uh, that's, that's you know, and from there, we'll, we'll, we'll see where we're at. But I have expectation that we have a good team. We could beat anybody if we're on top of our game. And that's why I felt it was important to make those changes. I mean, it's I didn't wake up one morning and uh, you don't look forward to make changes just to make changes. But, you know, I, I, my job is if I see things that I don't like and I could help, that's what I have to do. That's my responsibility. Listen to the tone. Listen to the cadence. Um, yeah. He's he has expectations. Those expectations are, and 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 he's uh, has expectations. But I think he's also speaking for Jeff Molson. Yeah. And remember that that whole thing with Sebastian Aho and and uh, they didn't yeah. want to raise expectations too much because then they'd have to fulfill them. Well, they've raised expectations, like it or not. Uh, and uh, they they need to fulfill them. And uh, Mark Bergevin, you hear in his voice, uh, feeling a lot of pressure. Yeah, and I mean, this is this seems like a case of a guy that has put all the ingredients in, and he's baked the cake, and he doesn't like the way that it's tasting right now. So he's got to do whatever he can to enact some uh, control over this situation to get things back in the direction that he wants them to go. And yeah, that's what you do. You fire the head coach, you fire the goaltending coach, and see what exactly that gets you. But you touched on it. There was an environment in that media, in that presser, that was very much pointed at the uh, at the direction of Carey Price. These were pointed questions with uh, an obvious uh, slant in terms of the answer that they wanted to get. And so there was a question about accountability, and Mark Bergevin said that all players have accountability. Uh, where do you see there is no accountability here? Well, he has accountability. He's, he's, you know, every player's, if it's Carey, if it's Ben Sherratt, Shea Weber, Phil Deneau, Brendan Gallagher, they're all responsible for their performance. That's on them, every one of them. My job is to provide them the best tool I can for them to have success. But at the end of the day, it's on the players to perform. And if they don't perform, then that's where I come in and try to help. Am I being clear? Is that good enough for you? Is that good enough for you? Yeah, <laughs> um, a, lot of, a lot of pounding the table. Well, yes, the thuds that you hear there are uh, Mark Bergevin emphasizing his point by by banging the table. Uh, very combative, um, Mark Bergevin. Um, and when the issue of accountability came up, and of course, uh, um, it was a it was just a, 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 a an agenda driven question. Um, a bad question, a, a question from a, a media person who will obviously, and, and it has outwardly shown his disdain for Carey Price. Um, and Carey Price ex- has, has more accountability for the results uh, heaped on him than anybody else. It's, he's always there to, uh, and has accepted blame. I want to know where the accountability is from the media. Uh, who have said some ridiculous things? Who have said, have made uh, statements that are blatant lies? Who have who have talked about, um, you know, the, the the Canadians are so good it's boring. Where's the accountability there? Where's the the apologies there that they were yeah. so very wrong 
uh, in their their supposed analysis. And 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 you know, rather than being uh, 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 pushing a, a particular agenda, um, you know, maybe they should maybe they should look at things objectively. Uh, but it, it, it's apparent that they have absolutely no expertise to do so. I have no expertise here. Exactly. At <laughs> least one of the media people admitted he has absolutely no expertise. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> accountability is very important, so it's good. To, it's refreshing to hear that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's obvious that. And listen, there were the insinuations that Carey Price's performance cost Stefan Waite his job, and that is something that, if we're gonna be real here for a second, let's talk about the fact that Carey Price's performance in that bubble expand, expanded the job, extended the job period of Claude Julian. Because he would have been fired. There's no way. You cannot tell me a guy that coached a team that had two eight-game winless streaks is going to survive that season. Carey Price is the reason that he did. He's the reason that he had a job to coach this team to start this season. And the Montreal Canadiens made changes because they were not performing at the level that Mark Bergevin wanted them to. And so that has to be said. That Carey Price, if not for Carey Price's performance, that these are changes that are made much earlier on in the process. And right now you're starting to see it because Mark Bergevin, a gut feeling, perhaps a little bit of desperation as well. And then you mix that all together and this is the result. But at this point in time, you have to wonder what exactly Burke, Sean Burke, can can bring to the table uh, to make this team better. Yeah, well, part of, of, of bringing Burke in... Uh... I, I believe that when the more the more people with with uh, I say smart people people who know you surround yourself the better he makes all of us. So bringing Berkey closer to us makes the Montreal Canadian better today. And nothing and I say nothing against what Stefan did because he did a hell of a job and I and I thank him for that. But I felt that a new voice was important and a different voice with somebody who's went went through ups and downs of being a goalie because there's not one goalie that plays at the same level all the time you know there's always have ups and downs and and but we want to limit the the downs and you know peaks and valley we want to make sure this is comes a little more flat line Sean Burke um, was uh, he was hired by the Canadians in in 2016 to be a, a, a scout. Uh, a pro scout in the uh, the Western Division uh, or the Western area. Uh, that was his territory. Um, but r- recall that Sean Burke, has na- his, his name has been coming up mm, the last three or so um, uh, GM uh, openings. Uh, in fact, he interviewed uh, for the, uh, the job in Florida. Um, and uh, so Sean Burke... Um, it has qualities, and 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 so does Scott Mellenby. Um, has qualities that uh, others see as a potential GM. Uh, so bringing him in as uh, a uh, goalie coach, um, repla- directly replacing Steph Anway, probably wasn't on the table. Uh, but we note that Sean Burke has been brought in as the director of goaltending. Uh, what is the, what is the difference? Well, if you look. At the structure uh, of the uh, of the Canadians on their website in the hockey operations department, 
um, you have the coaches, and the coaches are, are all listed there, and that's where Stefan Waite was. That isn't where you find Sean Burke. Sean Burke is up at the next level with Mark Bergevin, and there you'll find Scott Mellenby and Trevor Timmons and Marty Lapointe, and now Sean Burke. So he's at a different level. Um, and uh, remember all the discussion um, about how Roberto Luongo was setting up a department of goaltending in Florida. Uh, with his goalie coach, uh, uh, Francois Allaire. Um, and it looks like the Canadians are going to be moving to that sort of structure. Uh, for now, uh, they'll have Marco Mar- Marciano doing the on-ice. Sean Burke will be doing some on-ice. Uh, he, he's known as a goalie whisperer. Um, he was there uh, to uh, help Ilya Brzezgalov and Mike Smith and Devin Dubnik. Yeah. Um, and the Devin Dubnik that, uh, <laughs> that Stefan Waite passed on and said was no good as the backup when, after he was acquired from, by the Canadians. Anyways, yeah. that's a whole other point. Um, <laughs> but Sean Burke is, is obviously being brought in not only to, to be the director of goaltending, but, uh, Mark Bergevin said, he's one of those smart people, uh, that I like to surround myself with. Uh, and uh, can can advise me in different ways. And remember, there's been a uh, uh, people leave the organization. Uh, Rick Dudley being one that 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 occupied uh, uh, Larry Carrier, that occupied those roles of an advisor. And uh, so I think this is a way of of uh, Mark Bergevin fulfilling two kind of uh, needs, and that is to set up a, a goalie department. We're assuming he's heading in that direction uh, to be a new voice for Carey Price and to provide some advice, um, some senior advice to Mark Bergevin. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, two birds, one stone kind of thing right there. But uh, additionally, so we touched on this with, you know, the analogies that have been thrown out there. Mark Bergevin used one. Uh, during the press conference to emphasize that sometimes athletes just need a different approach. Sorry, let me ask you a question. I went back to golf. Do you think a goal, uh, an instructor for golf could change, help your game? Yes, he can. So why couldn't you do for a goalie? Well, well real quick, and I, and again, and I, I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to explain the best I can to your answer about the goalie coach. I believe Tiger Wood was one of the best uh, golfer and he did change coach. So sometimes, you know, it's different approach, different views, makes a big difference. That's all. Again, uh, very combative, uh, Mark Bergevin, yep. emphasizing his point, but trying to get through to Pat Hickey that that yep. uh, sometimes it's just a, a new voice uh, that's needed uh, that can help out an elite, elite athlete. Yeah, and I mean, it's, yeah, like I said, it's not a rare occurrence. This is something that happens, but of course, in Montreal, it's sort of exacerbated because the Montreal Canadiens are at the forefront of everyone's mind. So, um, but yeah, it's it's obviously something that that could very well benefit Carey Price. And Carey Price was also speaking with the media this week, and we'll begin with a clip because this was part of the interesting chain of events that unfolded this week. Is Carey Price spent four days with goalie coach Stefan Waite to work on things and of course he played well in that game against the Ottawa Senators and Kerry Price was asked what exactly he was working on. Uh, stopping pucks. Um, just keeping things simple and letting the game come to me. So uh, again, many people made fun of, oh, stopping pucks, he's so aloof. And, and But Kerry Price, even though he his words are concise, concise, he says a lot. 
what they were working on was simplifying the game, letting the game come to him. He's repeated this. Stefan Waits repeated this. And if you go back to our episode 125 last last week, uh, we talked about uh, Carey Price because of his distrust of the defense, having to complicate his decision making uh, and complicate his analysis of the play that was uh, coming for. And he was trying to do too many things. Uh, so it was a short clip, but it was an informative clip. Um, and all of this was said, um, as, as you said, and he had no idea that Stefan Waite was already out of the building and had fi- been fired at this point. Yeah, it was just yeah a bizarre chain of events. But yeah, so of course, this is before he knew about the firing of Stefan Waite. So he also spoke after uh, after Bergevin's uh, press conference announcing uh, the firing of Stefan Waite. Kerry Price spoke to the media. And uh, was he surprised by the firing of Stefan Waite? Yeah, it's... Uh surprising obviously yeah and uh you know it's uh it's an unfortunate part of the business um i'm grateful for the time that uh, i spent with steph who's been a you know hard-working dedicated goalie coach and i really appreciate that all that work that he's done with us and right now it's uh it's a quick turnaround uh we don't have a lot of time to dwell on things so it's all about regrouping and and getting the work done and and start bonding quickly uh, yeah, I spoke to him last night and, uh, obviously we, uh, we're thankful for our time spent together and I'm, I'm very grateful for his hard work is the main message. That's very, that's right from the heart. He, he, um, he had no idea it was coming, um, not responsible, uh, obviously, um, they had a good relationship. He was, he's very grateful, uh, for the the time that he spent with uh, Stefan Waite, they developed a bond, uh, but he couldn't linger too much on that because they're starting a a, a difficult schedule, um, and he has to look forward. Uh, that's the business of of sports. Yeah, it's it's a results based business. We talk about this all the time. It's professional sports. And if you're not getting the results that you like as a general manager, it's it's not easy to sort of enact control, especially in a situation like Mark Bergevin is in, having invested a lot of money into this team to try to make it competitive. He's he's only got a few options, and firing coaches is is one of the options that he has at his disposal. Um, but for the meantime, Carey Price is going to be working with Marco Marciano, as we talked about, and Price describes Marciano. He's a very enthusiastic guy. Yeah. He's, he brings a lot of energy, and uh, it's going to be fun. And and he does. And and they've had some interactions uh, before. Um, and and of course, Marco's not just there for uh, Carey Price. Also, Jake Allen. Also, Charlie yep. Lindgren. Um, and uh, and he knows uh, he knows them all to, I guess Jake Lin, uh, Jake uh, Allen uh, to a lesser degree, but knows Charlie very well. Knows knows Carey, uh, and they know that he's an upbeat guy. And that he's uh, the kind of guy who's going to be in daily contact with Sean Burke. And the things that they work on on the ice are things that have been talked about um, Marco with, with, uh, with Sean. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're sort of waiting for the time in which you get uh, Sean Burke to finish his quarantine and all that. Um, and Carey Price discussed his impressions of Sean Burke. Uh, he's a very good guy, uh, very easy to talk to. Um, I don't have, obviously, I haven't worked with him a ton, 
and I'm looking forward to this opportunity to work with him. Uh, we're just going to work on on simplifying things. Um, you know, we uh, we haven't talked a, a game plan yet, so we'll uh, we'll cover that when it comes. Uh, it's just time spent together, uh, a lot more communication with your goalie coaches, and um, you know, it's obviously uh, it's obviously a bond that uh, happens over time. So you know, moving forward with uh, with Berkey, we're uh, we're just looking forward to getting to know each other. So they have to get to know each other, um, build a bond, um, uh, continue on with uh, with this uh, plan to simplify the game, let the game come to, to him, um, and uh, in the meantime, be stopping pucks uh, for his yeah. his starts. That that's that's all that has to happen in the next few, uh, month or so. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting situation to watch unfold. And of course, all the attention is on it right now with respect to the Montreal media, to the fan base. There are a lot of eyes that are on Carey Price right now. And that's the unfortunate part of, of being a franchise player is that, you know, when you when you're going good, everyone's saying how great you are. And when you're not, or at least when the perception is that you're not, it's the opposite end of the spectrum. But the other guy that has the perspective on this and everything, and I think really is the key to knowing exactly how all these things unfolded, because with Stefan Waite, he made media appearances this week. So if there were any sort of sour grapes about how things unfolded, that would have been the guy that would have keyed anybody off. He, he didn't do that. There wasn't that sort of quote that, that I'm, I'm sure people were looking for to insinuate that Carey Price was behind this in any way, shape, or form. And Rick... Really, um, when we look back to last week, and you touched on this, you made a point of saying what exactly you thought Carey Price was dealing with right now with respect to his performance. What makes Carey Price such a good goaltender is his attention to detail, his attention to clues. And and he talks about uh, when the shooter's coming in, I watch I watch his eyes, I watch his shoulders, I watch the where his hands are on the stick, I watch the the uh, the tilt of his stick, and you you know he has that new mask with the the you know the the cyborg kind of mask yeah. with processing all this information. He actually does that, and he does it in naturally in split second time. And, and what he's talking about by overthinking is he's added a whole. Nother Another component to watching the the shooter coming in, and that is watching his defense uh, his defense core. He, right now, he can't trust his his defensive players. Once they clean up uh, everything in front uh, and start playing better defensive hockey, and he can trust them again, then he can return to the focus. He can get rid of this overthinking, thinking about his own players, and focusing on the shooter. So that wasn't me live. That was a clip from episode yes. 125. Uh, we talked <laughs> about this in great detail. And, and go back and listen to, uh, it, listen to it at CanadiansConnection.com. You can find all of our, or in your, the player you're listening to, uh, uh, check out the uh, uh, last week's episode. Um, I, I, when everybody else was screaming and, and oh, Carey Price has lost this and he's not that and he's old and he's got problems at home and he's, we were, we were trying to uh, logically analyze that and say that, um, you know, there's just too many things going on. He not only has to 
deal with uh, the the opposition, the shooters, but he has to figure out what his uh, guys in front are not going to do <laughs> that they're supposed yeah. to be doing because there was all of these defensive breakdowns and the Canadians were playing so poorly defensively, particularly in February. And he had to factor that in as well. And that causes him to, to lean here and move there. Um, and then uh, it looks like uh, he was giving up a bad goal because he had to process, uh, he couldn't rely on, on his defenseman uh, the way he, he should be able to. Uh, that was our analysis last week. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we were, we were uh, screaming out there on an island because everybody else was, was saying something completely different. Uh, but as we said, we try to be honest, we try to be objective, and I think in this case we were probably right. Yeah, because here's the interesting part is that you said that last week and you've got some insight into being a goaltender. You know a little bit about the about the mental aspect of the game with respect to being a goaltender. And Stefan Waite, goalie coach, former goalie coach of the Montreal Canadiens now, uh, he touched on what he thought was going on with Carey Price. We had uh, we struggled in February in our uh, own zone. So the, we were very uh, disorganized. And it was, um, you know... Carey start to do want to do too much, cheat a little bit, uh, guess, and uh, when the goalie start to not trust his his defensive uh, system, he when he, he start to uh, uh, guess or cheat, but that's where happened the uh, bad goals. So a couple bad goals and all start to lose your confidence, and that's become like a, a snowball, a small snowball, and become. Uh, so that's uh, that was the problem. That's why that's why the last the last four days be- before I got fired, we sat down, settled things down, and said, "Okay, relax, come back to the basis." We make a couple adjustments in this game. He was too busy as a goalie, and just keep it simple. Let the game come to you, and we uh, like a good 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 practice, good video session. And Kerry was on the, uh, very, very optimistic. Said, "Okay, stuff. Yeah, I feel good. I like that." And I, I knew he's going to play well in Ottawa. And in the same time, I like how Dominic uh, uh, makes some adjustment in our own zone, the D zone, and uh, all those things make me said, "Okay, think that will be fine." We'll be fine. Carol be fine. But it take it, it took more than just uh, coaching Carey Price. It took an improvement in the defensive play. And uh, Stefan Waite was complimentary to Dom Ducharme that that the Canadians played a better def- defensive game against Ottawa, uh, and that allowed Carey Price to focus on on his primary role, uh, stopping yes. pucks. Uh, not having to overthink, not having to think about his defense, could trust his defense again, and then he was back to playing the way we're used to seeing him play. He was, he was, uh, he played very, very well uh, against Ottawa, uh, but the this all stemmed from uh, a defense that Kerry couldn't trust, as you heard Stefan Waite say, uh, a, def- a defensive system that was looking extremely organized, uh, disorganized, sorry, uh, through uh, February. Uh, and the roots of that started in, in January. Um, and, and that was the issue, losing trust in, um, in the defensemen in front of him. We, we, we spoke about that last week. 
And, uh, you know, uh, Stefan Witt used some of the same words uh, when he spoke to the media this week. Yeah, and I, I think he hit the nail on the head, and I think you hit the nail on the head last week. It's it's not been a goaltending problem, regardless of who's in there, and we've seen it now because the goals that were allowed by Jake Allen against Winnipeg were all from the same type of issue, which is, you know, with respect, Allen, aside from the third one, the third one, you could make the argument maybe that's a save Jake Allen should make, also a well-placed shot, but there were turnovers, right? There were defensive zone turnovers, and it's affected both goaltenders now. And Jake Allen, as you've pointed out, not having a, you know a great stretch in terms of wins and losses as of late, and that's been reflective of the fact that there have been these persistent issues with respect to the Montreal Canadiens' defensive zone play with turning the pucks over, and it's putting the goaltenders in bad positions, especially Carey Price, because Carey Price plays behind the team more than Jake Allen does, and he's probably exacerbated by that. So, in and doesn't to that, get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Jake Allen and I, yeah. I, I mentioned it in the in the uh, game recap. Um, yeah, he hasn't he hasn't won since uh, early February. Um, he he's lost uh, his last four starts. That's uh, that's not a criticism of Jake Allen, um, but but Jake Allen gets the benefit of the doubt even with those uh, stats. Carey Price uh, doesn't get the benefit of the doubt, unfortunately. Yeah, and. We touched on the fact that there might be something that is hampering Carey Price a little bit, perhaps playing with some sort of injury, and Stefan Waite touched on that as well. He's not uh, 100%. He's not 100%. Talking about Carey, uh, that echoes what Dom Ducharme said when Dom Ducharme, one of his very first press conferences, he was asked and said, yeah, he's dealing with a minor uh, injury. Um, so not that anyone needs excuses or anything, uh, but that's usually factored in, uh, when, when the criticism starts to fly, uh, but in Carey Price's uh, situation, uh, doesn't get that, uh, consideration. And, and, and also, is it surprising that Carey Price is not 100% right now? When you look back at the past two regular seasons, not counting the playoff bubble, not counting that or this season, look back at 2018-19 uh, and 2019-20 when you had Antti Niemi and Keith Kincaid, who you brought in as backup goaltender. He didn't stick around for very long, but you had those two guys. 124 out of 153. Carey Price appeared in 124 games out of 153 between 2018-19 and 19-20. So... This should not be surprising that Carey Price is dealing with something because you've relied on him to play so much meaningful hockey for you because you can't put anyone else in. Until Jake Allen arrived, you could not put someone else in between the pipes and feel like you could win a hockey game. That just wasn't something that you had the luxury of doing, of, of having at your disposal. So it's not surprising that Carey Price is dealing with something at this point in time. But yeah, it's it's something as you said that's factored in with with you know with the likes of Jonathan Drouin, who's you know we remember he had the nose surgery last year, he had the injuries, and there was the sort of the excuse that existed for his non-existent performance down the stretch of last year's uh, regular season up until the pause in March. That's always been there for those guys. It's not there for Carey Price, and yeah, you pointed that out. It's a it's a very good point. Um, but Rick. Boy, oh boy, uh, we've had a lot to say uh -huh. because there was a lot to unpack in, in the uh, firing, the dismissal of, of Stefan Waite, the hiring of Sean Burke. Uh, so we are going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, 
We're going to get to know Alex Burroughs a little bit. We're going to shed some light on, on his time as an assistant in Laval. And we're going to be joined by two special guests uh, from the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, stay with us here on the Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at JoeWhalen19. And with me in studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter, and you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Uh, Rick, just one more thing to note out of that conversation that we had with respect to Carey Price and Stefan Waits' relationship. Well, it was just uh, 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 Stefan Waite saying how classy um, Carey Price, when uh, how he handled things, um, how kind he was. Uh, Carey Price, on his way home, uh, after he found out the news uh, from his car, called Stefan Waite, uh, and um, he said that, that uh, Carey sounded shocked, sounded shaken, and uh, Carey offered at that point to come over the next day, the following day, um, to, um, uh, and remember he, he met with the media that day, uh, but offered to come over and they spent 90 minutes together. That is, uh, Price and, and Stefan Waite, uh, at Waite's condo. And, and he said, uh, it's something he won't forget. And, and that, uh, Price was, uh, um, kind to do that, classy to do that. And that, uh, he'll all, always appreciate the bond between the, between the two of them. I, th- I thought that was a nice uh, thing for uh, Waite to reveal. Absolutely, yeah. Because, I mean, and I think it's Stefan Waite might know better than anybody else, right, that there is that sort of uh, idea that exists in Montreal that uh, Carey Price is somebody that doesn't doesn't care and it's not exact, It's not true, right? It's We know that it's not true and that he does care about his teammates, he cares about his coaches, all that, obviously. So, uh, very important to note that for for the context 
because there obviously wasn't any incident between those two guys. Uh, but Rick, so we talked about last week. We talked about Dominic Ducharme last week. He was the guy that was in the headlines, of course. He's the new head coach, interim head coach, but uh, new head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. And he also has a new assistant on his bench in Alex Burroughs. And Rick, we remember back to when Joel Bouchard was hired as the head coach of the Laval Rocket, and I sort of wondered, is if you're going to have a guy like Joel Bouchard, who makes the jump from junior hockey to professional hockey, might you want somebody that is a little bit more experienced behind the bench than a guy who is retired for all of five minutes from his playing career before making the jump to coaching? Uh, And that is not the direction the Montreal Canadiens went. They hired Alex Burroughs. He joined them as an assistant in Laval, and now he here he is, the assistant coach of the Montreal Canadiens. What what a a, a rise! Uh, what a quick rise! Meteoric. Uh, uh, yeah, kind of a Steve Ott kind of uh, comparison. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, uh, more ways than one. Well, there <laughs> more you go. More ways than one. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, but as you correctly said, you have uh, Joel Bouchard, who um, no pro uh, coaching uh, experience. Daniel Jacobs, uh, no pro coaching experience. And um, Alex Burroughs, no coaching experience at all, other than in his hockey school. Um, and it was kind of a interesting. Uh, now the the three of them obviously knew each other, um, and and add Marco Marciano to that group, of course. Um, and uh, they they were all familiar with each other. And um, but it's it's you know we we wanted to we wanted to further understand um, how how that happened and and. And and really, I guess to do that, it's it's to to dig deep into Alex Burrow's uh, uh, experience as a player because that that's all he has to rely on now is his his experience uh, on the ice to be able to try and deliver that uh, to uh, now first the Laval Rocket and now the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, and, and listen, I think that when it happened, when he was promoted to the assistant coach of the Montreal Canadiens, I think. This was something that perhaps he could infuse some energy, being that he is so not not far removed from his playing days. Perhaps he could infuse some energy and intensity uh, like those in Vancouver and in Ottawa for a brief time saw uh, in Alex Burroughs. And in addition to that, you wondered what perhaps his role would be from a tactical point of view. And, and Nick Suzuki touched on the ideas, the new ideas that have been brought to the power play. Yeah, um, he's brought a lot, new energy, new uh, kind of philosophy and plays that he's uh, worked with in Laval. Seen a couple of clips of uh, successful power plays from down there, and I think he's uh, been doing a great job with us so far. So, um, you know, Nick Suzuki's a fan. Uh, The power play seems to be clicking a little bit, Um, uh, and... um, I, I think the key is I know a, a lot of the uh, the uh, anger about the power play was was directed at uh, uh, Kirk Muller, but uh, Kirk Muller couldn't venture outside the box that was presented by Claude Julian, uh, who wanted yeah. the power play to operate a certain way, uh, and certainly the mold has been broken on that with Alex Burrows now coming in and bringing some. Uh, new ideas. We talked about how goals are scored in the modern NHL, and it's not necessarily uh, peppering shots from the point and trying to uh, chase rebounds or or get a knee on it. 
Uh, it's about cross-seam passes and, and uh, making good use of the gaps and getting the goalie moving. We talked about that, and, and it seems like that has been um, the recipe for how, and much more work down low, uh, yeah. much more uh, uh, uh Passing and, and driving to the net and work down low in a in an Alex Burroughs coached power play. Yeah, and lots of work along the boards uh, on the side boards, especially on the wings, where you see teams have success in generating offensive opportunities on the power play. The Canadians, it seemed that was is just such a, such a rigid structure for what their power play was. They were force feeding these passes to the point, rimming it around the opposite side, and they would just be cut off and dumped down the ice. They didn't. It, it, like they couldn't venture outside of what was set in stone and of course it didn't benefit it didn't yield the results that you would have wanted it and at this point in time you're seeing a little bit more creativity a little bit more Yasperi Kotkaniemi uh, managing the puck along uh, along the sides and, and that's something that you want to see because those are your guys that generate good possession that create positive opportunities and that's what we've seen uh, under Alex Burroughs, a little bit more of that creativity and, and allowing guys to be who they are and, and do what they do. Uh, but but Rick, we, we've we've touched on Alex Burroughs and the things that he is bringing to uh, the Montreal Canadiens behind the bench. Uh, why don't you introduce the special guests that we have uh, joining us this afternoon? Thanks, Joe. Uh, well, it's my great pleasure. Uh, to be joined by uh, two, uh, they become my favorite people. I love talking to them. Um, Isha Jerome and Dylan uh, Kayser. I, I knew I was going to s- stumble on that. Uh, from the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, gentlemen, thanks for uh, being w- with us here on the Canadians Connection. Oh, thank you, Rick. You're one of our favorite people, too. Yeah, thanks so much for having us, man. Well, and uh, these gents are from uh, beautiful Vancouver Island. Uh, and there will be no talk of cherry blossoms and those kinds of things <laughs> when Montreal is still uh, well into winter. Um, but what we do want to talk about today, we want to talk about the Hockey Podcast Network, um, and uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, you guys, uh, in addition to running the Hockey Podcast Network, run a couple of pods, and you have your eye on the Vancouver Canucks. And... Um, Canadians have a series coming up that we'll, uh, we'll uh, preview, I guess. But first, um, if we could talk about Alex Burroughs. Alex Burroughs uh, came to the Canadians organization um, five minutes after he retired from <laughs> hockey uh, to be an assistant coach with Joel Bouchard in the Laval Rocket. And now he's been catapulted uh, to the role of assistant coach uh, with uh, the change to Dominic Ducharme. Uh, and for Canadians fans uh, who haven't been paying much attention to the Laval Rocket, may not know um, Alex Burroughs. So if you guys can talk about um, Alex Burroughs, the player, um, you know we know about his, we know about his. Can I call them antics? Um, <laughs> his his maybe diving reputation as a player. His on the positive side for Canadians fans, uh, reputation as a Bruins killer. Um, but also, you know, uh, his, his line mates, his, uh, very famous line mates. But if you can fill in all the other gaps that, uh, Canadians fans may not know about Alex Burroughs. Well, I'll, I'll let Dylan start this one off with like the player, you know, on the ice and some of those things too, because obviously 
Alex Burrows, his mind extends to, you know, off-ice greatness as well because he's a sports guy, you know, first and foremost before even being a professional athlete, I think, and a fan. But we'll get to that after kind of Dylan talks about uh, a little bit of him on the ice because Dylan was like, he's been a Canucks fan way longer than I have even been, Rick. Well, when you talk about Alex Burrows, I think you have to start out with the fact that he was an undrafted player in this league. And a ball hockey player. And a ball (laughs) hockey player to start out with, which is incredible. And, you know, his drive and determination to make uh, the NHL and even the AHL was a quite impressive um you know on the ice when when the Vancouver Canucks first saw Alex Burrows we thought we had you know a pretty good third liner in Alex Burrows that's really what people thought at the start of his career and obviously we saw him blossom into a goal scorer and you know a a legend in the Vancouver market playing with the Sedins and just one thing that really sticks out to me with Alex Burrows is his drive determination and fearlessness you know he would go to the to the dirty areas of the ice where the Sedins wouldn't necessarily go and that's what made him such a great fit with those two players yeah no fear no fear in Alex Burroughs's game and, and like Dylan said the determination you know coming out of the queue two seasons there you know racked up some points <clears throat> as everybody does in the queue but also put up a ton of penalty minutes as well so you, his antics is what I think really uh, kept him on professional hockey leagues radar I mean he played in some crazy ECHL markets Greenfield growl the Baton Rouge <laughs> Kingfish Columbia oh. Inferno and then like Dylan said to work his way up to an AHL uh, you know team which I'm sure that was like a huge accomplishment in his eyes and then with the core around him there with BXA Kessler Alex Ald they kind of all made the Canucks together in the following years Rick Rippon was also in that mix as well and that became you know a uh, a pinnacle core group of players for the Vancouver Canucks in the mid and late 2000s. Yeah, you know, off the ice too, a a great member in the community. Like I said, being undrafted, there's so many young kids in the Vancouver area that look up to him and think, you know what? This guy made the NHL. This guy scored 35 goals in the highest league in hockey and he was undrafted. I can do it too. Yeah, well said. Now, um, it, it, it's thought it should be easy to play with the Sedins, and, but it wasn't. He, you know, they auditioned uh, a number of players, and it was former Canadians coach, Alain Vigneault. It was his uh, stroke of genius to put Burroughs uh, with uh, the Sedins. Well, speed, grit, and obviously having that skill to be able to play at the highest level was there. But you said it. I mean, Dylan, I think historically there have only been two players who've been able, <laughs> minus uh, Redeem Ver- or Verbata's one good season with the Sedins where he scored 30 goals as well. There have been only other two players in history who've been able to play with the Sedins. Yeah, Anson Carter being one of those players yeah. obviously had a short stint. But yeah, Alex Burrows, like, like I said earlier, he was willing to go to the dirty areas. He was willing to stand in front of the net and take some abuse uh, where the Sedins weren't necessarily uh, their best in those areas. And, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, Alex Burroughs was almost everything that the Sedins weren't, and that's why he was successful. Totally. Well, he was, uh, you know, he would be on the puck retrieval, the four-check puck retrieval, um, but you have to be a pretty smart guy, a, a hockey IQ, that, uh, to, to be able to play with two highly skilled players like that. And how do you see that then translating uh, and carrying over to his coaching career? Well, I think a mix of hockey IQ, but more so than hockey IQ, Rick, I think it's sports IQ. He is a sports fan first and foremost, and I'm talking from golf to, to hockey and everything in between. Like, this guy watches all sports, um, you know, throwing a little DraftKings plug there. I'm sure uh, I'm sure he's got into a little bit of that in his, you know, five minutes between his National Hockey League <laughs> career and his coaching career. But this guy knows 
everything about the world of sports. He's, uh, I mean, he was great in his media hits. He was, he's very smart in the management and coaching side as there've been various interviews, you know, in his, the, the final years with the Canucks and I'm sure with the, the senators as well, there were talks where he was very open about wanting to become a coach, wanting to either become a manager and work in uh, front office. Yeah. I mean, he's been a fourth liner and a first liner. This guy's played every position in the game. So he really understands the game as a whole. You know, a lot of times we see these really, skilled guys that have maybe maybe played 10 years as a first line winger or, or forward they maybe they don't make the best coaches all the time but this guy played in every position up and down the lineup which i think is a big factor to uh him becoming a coach in the nhl absolutely well, and the players talk about his passion his energy uh his uh tireless work ethic and and certainly uh when you watch a practice with alex burrows uh in it he's as much a a, a participant than a than a teacher <laughs> he's uh, right in on on every single drill um now it was uh his former gm craig heisinger who said uh alex has taken v- advantage of every single opportunity been given to him um, and do you think that that uh, that also applies to his uh, assistant coaching position with the Canadians? Yeah, no, I I agree wholeheartedly there. And I mean, his character outside of the Vancouver Canucks market um, is, <laughs> especially during his playing time, was a little bit uh, let's just say shady. Where a lot of people are like oh, roll their eyes, like Alex Burrows. I, I can't stand that guy. <laughs> but but when you I guess watch him for so many years and and hear the all his interviews and because obviously in this Vancouver bubble, you know Alex Burrows this when he was on the fourth line or like when Dylan said when he was on the first line, he was always made available to media because he always wanted to talk to media. He always wanted to maybe sometimes take the blame or speak on behalf of the locker room when some of the other people didn't have the you know the cadence to do so. And I, I think just all around respected now league wide for what he's accomplished as a player. Maybe not in you know the the eyes of some of the Boston Bruins former and current players today. Um, but <laughs> they, I th- they can look past the finger biting yeah. and the hair pulling. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think just uh, just just a great get for this Montreal Canadiens organization. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I think, outside of, again, Canucks, maybe even the Montreal bubble, roll their eyes and say, well, you know, they got <laughs> he speaks French and he's from Quebec, so maybe that helped a little bit. Hey, who cares? Because I think he's the right man for the job. So are Canucks fans generally, are they um, mixed feelings or are they happy for to see him uh, carry on his hockey career? I think they're so happy. Let me tell you, Rick, they're pissed that Manny Malhotra is behind the bench of the Maple Leafs. Yeah. I th- yeah. I'd, say, I'd say that, that <laughs> they're way more angry about that than they are uh, about Burroughs. I think uh, maybe there's some hope that someday, once he gets his feet a little bit wet with the Montreal Canadiens and, and gets gets his reps there that maybe a position opens up in Vancouver and he uh, quote unquote comes home but I think for overall and Dylan you can speak on this too I think everyone's happy for him yeah and I mean he's still so young right so he's just starting out his career in coaching and the fact that he gets to go home and do it I, I think everybody here is uh, pretty happy for the guy well that's good to hear Isha, Dylan thank you very much uh, thanks for being with us and uh, we'll definitely do this soon thanks again awesome Awesome. Thanks, Thanks, Rick. Go Canucks, go. (laughs) Well, that was, uh, that was a great interview. Uh, that was a great, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm appreciative of the insight, uh, from both Isha and, uh, Dylan of the hockey podcast network and, uh, and good background to, um, uh, Alex Burroughs and, um, uh, going beyond, you know, the, the antics and the things that, uh, that that we were (laughs) used to, uh, hearing, but you know what? There's more. 
Uh, yep, the conversation continued with Isha and Dylan, um, where the three of us previewed the upcoming two-game series between the Canadians and the Canucks. So um, I want you to watch for a very special edition of the Canadians Connection podcast. That's going to drop Monday with our friends from the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, while you're waiting, if you could do me a favor, uh, follow at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. And visit thehockeypodcastnetwork.com for some fabulous podcast content. We will take our final break here on the Canadians Connection. Up next, uh, we're going to touch on that fantasy hockey battle that we teed up off the top of the show. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 126 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. So, Rick, as we touched off, uh, touched on off the top of the show, uh, we are doing battle this week in fantasy hockey. Um, uh, we touched on uh, majorly. We touched on my rivalry with Amy Johnson, but this week, as I said, is the battle of the Canadians Connections uh, co-host. Uh, mm-hmm. And at this point in time, I'm leading uh, six to four. All right. And uh, just looking at what I've got going, I've got Voracek in action against Pittsburgh. He's pointless. He's got a shot on goal, um, which is something. And uh, Matt Barzell, he's been playing uh, against Buffalo. He's got a goal. So uh, I have those two in action. And of course, there's Saturday night, plenty of action later on tonight. And th- this is a very close matchup. I'm only up by one in assists. Uh, I'm you're up by four in goals. That seems like a pretty safe bet. Power play points. I'm only up by two shots on goal. You're only up by five hits. You're only up by one. This is a very close matchup here. So I think that this is a respected rivalry. This isn't this isn't like <laughs> Amy Johnson and myself. This is a very respectful 
rivalry here. Well, it's uh, yeah, and and uh, as I've said before on on the, the podcast, that uh, I have a real dog's breakfast when it comes to goaltenders. Goaltending, yeah. Um, I have two on the IR and and a mess uh, otherwise, and so uh, I'm usually scrambling. Uh, Tristan Jerry going now. Um, we'll see if we have Sorokin later on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jake Allen has probably been uh, well, and and Jake Allen hasn't been getting me the wins. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, it's been it's been tough. Uh, but yeah, games tonight. Uh, the games tomorrow, and and uh, we'll we'll let you know next week uh, how this yes, uh, how this it- matchup turned out. But I, but Rick, you, you threw a wrinkle into all this because yesterday in in our Slack group of fantasy sports, uh, so I have Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon was my top pick this year, and uh, you know he entered in yesterday, and I was thinking, wow, okay, I'm going to get Nate McKinnon back in the lineup. He's he's cleared to play. Here we go. And you and uh, Brian, our commish, uh, and Amy Johnson, to be fair, because she had to get her her thoughts in on it, of course. Uh, you know, you're all coming after me because I had Nathan McKinnon in my starting lineup and he was, oh, yeah, he might have a concussion. And I'm just deferring to Jared Bednar, a guy that I have a tremendous amount of respect for uh, and his staff to make the correct decision uh, and make the right decision with respect to uh, his health, to Nathan McKinnon's health. And uh, all of a sudden, so I get those messages. And then what happens? He's ruled out from the game last night. Well, So, I, yeah. yeah, just... Now we just, just wanted to, to, we yeah. just wanted you to see you do the right thing. That's all. And, yeah, and, uh, yeah. You know, we're all pretty serious about uh, head hits and and, uh, and yeah. concussions, and and we just hope that you would do the right thing. And uh, and thankfully, um, Burnaby Joe, uh, yeah. Joe Sackick uh, came to the rescue and uh, and and ruled him out in in that game. Maybe he didn't. Maybe it was maybe well whatever whatever case it was he didn't play but yeah he didn't play last night which is fine i think it's you want to want to make sure that that guy i I have an investment in nathan mckinnon that he wants i want him to play hockey the rest of this season so if he needs to take an extra game or two or however much time so long as he's back out on the ice uh and and producing for me that's all that matters but rick uh we have had quite the show today lots Mm -hmm. to get to just like last week uh so we'll wrap this thing up we'll say that the canadians upcoming slate of games of course Playing the uh, playing the Winnipeg Jets tonight, excuse me, uh, and then they begin that series with the Vancouver Canucks and hoping to uh, find some of those good vibes that they had going against the Vancouver Canucks earlier on in this season. And then uh, after that two game set against the Canucks, there's a back to back second night of a back to back against Calgary on the 11th. So uh, yeah, a busy week coming for the Montreal Canadiens, and that's going to be the case the rest of the way. Of course, we know at this point. They had that week off, and at this point, the condensed schedule is really starting to show, and the Canadians have a lot of action. So we will be back next week discussing all things Montreal Canadiens. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.